Yeah. I wanna be a billionaire. Uh, I ain't getting no sleep nah. till I see a milli every week. Yeah. I wanna be a billionaire. Uh, I ain't getting no sleep nah. till I see a billy every week. Uh, I wanna be a billionaire. Ladies and gentlemen, how you doing? Welcome to another episode of Sleepers for Billionaires, the podcast. I am your host, Johnny Vegas. Now today, I got a special guest on my show, ladies and gentlemen. You're in for a treat, so take some notes. This man is, you know, an engineer, former producer. I hope he gets back into producing because his beats was crazy, you know, and he owns the owner of Executive Sound Studios. And just one of my good best friends, man, ladies and gentlemen, James Woods, a.k.a. James the Mix Surgeon. What's going on, baby? What's going on, man? Johnny Vegas. Hey, sleepers for billionaires, man. That's that's damn near true. Because yeah, I, <laughs> I don't sleep yet. Like, as much as everyone's like, hey, relax, you know, you're doing your thing. You need to chill. Um, nah, man. It's a long way to the top, man. We, we I, I'll just keep climbing, man. You got to, man. You got to. I mean, you, you just you just recently had heart surgery, man. How you how you healing up? And because uh, I see you still busy at the same time, so how are you like balancing the whole recovery as well as keeping up with work stuff? Well, I was a big fan of X Men, so I watched a lot what Wolverine was trying to do, and I tried to do the same thing. That's like, uh, nah, man. Uh, the cool thing is none of the the heart procedures were like evasive, evasive. Um, so it. The, the healing process was really only about like two weeks, even though it was three different procedures, which, you know, it, it, it was definitely a, um, an experience. Uh, it, it was tough. The, definitely the, the three, four days I was in the hospital was felt a lot longer than it really was. But the cool thing is now I'm out, I'm moving around. Um, and the cool thing about being an engineer, uh, is, I mean, you get to sit in the chair and press record. I mean, what's the difference between doing that and sitting watching TV you know, healing. So, Hey, I get, get back to the money, man. And I got the okay from the heart doctors, of course. So I would not, you know, deem do anything that's completely, you know, idiotic, you know, right, <laughs> I, don't right, make, yeah. I, I don't need to, I don't need to experience that, that trip twice. So, um, I talked to them and yeah, they gave me the okay. As long as I didn't, like you said, is stand or lifting anything. Um, I just hit record, man. And sat there and mix so yeah it's, it feels good to be back to work awesome man awesome man you uh you recently just got some plaques right yeah about a uh you know a year ago uh actually mm. the songs were done almost a year prior to that because it just took a while for them to build plaques i have two album um gold records and the single i did on one of the albums just recently went platinum last year so mm. yeah man that was a that was a great feeling you know, I know it's been a while since anybody in our city has reached those kind of accomplishments, man. And it's like to just pull it off as, as an engineer with a, you know, a studio that, you know, I can't just get up and move. It's different from, you know, producers where they can send beats and, you know, or just even just as an engineer, you can travel and go and achieve those things, but actually have something come to the city and get it done there. Like not just, Oh, I'm going to come and record a feature, but like, I'm coming here to record my single for my album. Mm. So it's, it, it is a great feeling. And, you know, like I said, man, it's, you know, it was, it, it, it took a long time to get there, but I look at it like, you know, from our standpoint in the city where we're at, it's, it's, it's bigger than just, you know, how many plaques and stuff you can get. It's just like reaching that level of success to where now you can, 
you can make a lot more moves now. You can get in different circles, and and now the networking is you know vastly you got that credit. You got the credit. Yep, you got the stamp of approval, man. Mm, nah, Sometimes that's getting so. some of the you already know, man. Being out in LA, some of them clubs, you got to have that stamp to get in. <laughs> that's a fact, man. Just just uh, credit goes a long way, especially in this town back in in LA where I'm at. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they kind of. You know, they just puts more respect on your name. It shows you actually did some work, you know, that's been that's that's recognized by the elite, so to speak. So, right. you know, congrats to you on that. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I know, like you said, man, it was a long journey before you got the plaque. Congratulations, by the way. And that's what I want to touch on this this marathon that we're in. You know, we all take different roles to to, to achieve the, uh, the success and get to the finish line of this marathon. But with you, I want to talk about the beginning when you actually decided that you wanted to be an engineer and how that road was until this point, up to this point, you know what I'm saying? Cause I mean, did you go to school for being an engineer? You know, did you want to be an engineer in the very beginning or did you want to rap like everybody else? You know, how, yeah, how did that yeah. all start out? Yeah, actually it did start off as me trying to be a rapper. I mean, it was, it was a fun little phase that, you know, what, I went through. what was your rap name? <laughs> oh no i can't say that online man you can embarrass me man <laughs> come on I, I need the exclusive man you know you're one of the you are like and I, and I never told you this you're like one of the you're the top five most important people in my life you know i got god got my mother got my girl got my family they fit into one and then my engineer and that's you, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I gotta get the exclusive appreciate it. <laughs> what was well, give it to me. just to keep in mind of the time frame so you're not <laughs> thinking there's anything to happen recently um this was back from 99 2000 up until you know about the 2008 range no actually a little bit before that i say 2007 range is when i kind of started transitioning so um the rap name was actually little james okay, <laughs> okay. with a z um, but of course I had a battle name that I, of course, didn't, or I didn't come up with, but somebody just kind of called me that in the middle of a battle and they just thought that was my name and my battling skills back then were, you know, really, really good being it just freestyling off the top of your head, because that was the way to do it back then before, you know, all the, the, the battle and rap leagues they out that are, that are out now, right. Um, they're out now. So a lot of the stuff nowadays are all, you know, written, rehearsed, you know, you could definitely tell. So back then you had to kind of freestyle off the top of your dome and, and that's how it, this is how it was. But yeah, you know, I, <laughs> the battle rap name was Saltine, but I, <laughs> I don't know if that had to do with my skin color by any chance. But I, <laughs> hey, don't feel so bad, it up, man. But it was a funny name. It's a funny name that kind of stuck with me around there. But now nah, though, the rap name was little James and, and, um, don't you feel know, so bad. Mine's was mine's was big skills. Big skills <laughs> back in the day. I was big and I had skills. It just worked. You know what I'm saying? Hey it's man. Cool. Yeah, no, don't don't congratulate me for that. That shit is whack. Hey. <laughs> but ten years to twenty years ago, it was popping. <laughs> exactly, man. I mean, it was fun just jumping in it for the first time. You know, you you hear an artist that you're inspired by, and you try to like write like them, and you know, you try to like, oh, okay we're going to, you know, and this is the thing, this is how I kind of got into the engineering world too, to mm -hmm. try to transcend into that next question. I know you're going to ask me, mm -hmm. um, is where I lived in Virginia. It was, you know, small town. I lived in between Fredericksburg, Woodbridge, um, Fairfax, all those like Northern Virginia cities, close to DC. So obviously DC had a little bit of an influence, but where the area where we're at, 
there was nobody really had studios. So coming, growing up, you know, going through high school and wanting to be this rapper, you know, that you see on TV, you're mm-hmm. thinking you never see the process of like what they go through because, you know, there was no YouTube back then. It was, it was actually hard to access videos or any kind of footage from stuff like that. So we just always assumed that every rapper just had their own studio and, right. or they had, and they had a producer or they made the beats. We didn't, you know, we knew that Dr. Dre rapped and he made his own beats. And so we're like, okay, we got to be like Dr. Dre. If we want to, if I want to be Eminem, we got to be Dr. Dre too. You know what I'm That's saying? So fact, we got to have right. a studio. Um, so we were like, really like as a high school, like, sophomore in high school man we were literally every christmas and birthday present we would ask for musical gear microphones preamps me and my best friend jared shout out my boy he's still up in virginia you know works for apple now he's he's doing his thing but you know we both still have that love for music and and he was kind of like the dr dre i would say in the very early stages but like i said we just started putting our music gear together we made beats together Mm. you know he recorded me i record him and we just sat there and mixed our stuff man and just kind of you know good thing my space is completely off air because i don't want y'all hearing how bad my mixes sound because i don't need any blackmail (laughs) (laughs) uh i didn't know what i was doing you know i was just kind of winging it and um and then actually and then when youtube did come into existence that's when I really did learn a lot about the engineering world because there was people, you know, sneaking videos in the full cell and putting it on YouTube. And mm. you had all these, you know, the, all the, we call them, you know, the know-it-alls that are out there putting out whatever information. So that's why it's hard to like, as an engineer, you have to like really find your lane. You can't just copy one style because it might not be the right style for you or for that artist. So you, you have to like learn just different techniques. So once you got all these guys on online, like telling them this and that, I would just sit there and watch videos. And that's when I actually had one of my very first, like um, a heart arrhythmia that kind of gave me a yes scare. Mm-hmm. Um, gave, I had to put the defibrillator device in me because, you know, I was born with heart issues. So this is like nothing new, really. But um, so I had some downtime between trying to be an artist and working like a little full time job to keep money on the table and and. So that gave me like a three month break. And then that's when um, pretty much I learned as much as I could about the engineering side of things, because as an artist, I always knew my biggest flaw was I didn't have the right like mix or the right, you know, recording. My stuff just always sounded like it was recorded on a Home Alone Talk Boy or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk Boy. Wow. (laughs) That one. I know. Man, I'm getting some grades, man. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's all good, man. So I like that you said that you had to, you know, kind of pick your lane as an engineer and learn all these different techniques. So, but, yeah. but I want you to elaborate on that a little bit. What do you mean pick your lane as an engineer? Because for me on the outside looking in, being an engineer is just pretty much, you know, knowing how to mix the levels of right. each individual's, uh, you know, um, comp- musical composition and all of that. But, you know, can you touch on that a little bit as far as picking your lane as an engineer? Like, what do you picking mean? Picking your it? lane. Because pretty much I learned a lot of my engineering, like I said, through watching other engineers, watching videos, practicing the technique. So when I say make your lane, I'm not saying like you're just create. You can create a whole new sound and stuff by learning all these different techniques and experimenting. But also to like, OK, an engineer might like the side chain this certain way. 
or an engineer might like to compress this and then do this while another engineer might like to EQ first and then compress. So what you do is you, you, you take in all this information and then you try it out for yourself. So once you're like, you know what, I like this way better than his way. It gave me a better sound. It's, it's, I, I can understand the method, the, you know, cause everything is routing. So it depends on what hits first and that affects the very next sound module or plug in, you know, it, and, and, same thing if you were to swap it around it will change the sound even though it's the same mm. settings the same plugins it will change the sound just because of what it does to the you know what it does to the audio and how it affects so like i said i i pretty much just tried just so many different things especially in that like i said that downtime when you know first time hopping on pro tools and i'm sitting here trying to emulate what i'm seeing on youtube I'll be like, you know what? That doesn't really work for me. I don't know. I don't like the way it sounds. It might've sound good for him. He probably had a better microphone, whatever. I don't know. Um, but th- I like the way I can move and operate in this guy's plug-in chain. And then I'll learn something from another engineer and I'll be like, wow, I didn't know that compressor did that. That's a more modernized compressor than the one I'm using. So I swapped the compressors out and then, and over time you just kind of, you kind of just mess with it and, and, you just take everything you went, everything like I learned from different engineers, like I said, watching them, watching videos, you know, getting templates downloaded online. Like I did that when I first, first started, like, yeah. I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to download a, 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 people are putting up their pro tools templates. So mm-hmm. you, you know, and figuring it out, like what would make him do that EQ? What would make him? And I just started kind of just what made sense to me, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then once I kind of figured out that sound and, and I kind of molded it the way I like to hear it, you know, and of course doing a lot of AB and making sure I'm not like too low or too high, you, you know, you listen to other records and then, and then, yeah, boom. And then you just kind of find like that lane for the way right. you like to mix your, your, you know, your chain, what you like to tweak and, you know, and from there, it's just tweaking after that. You don't have to do too much swapping out unless you know a certain plugin gives you a certain sound that you're looking for. You might be like, oh, you know what? This person has a very, you know, like a, a squeaky voice. I need this compressor to fatten it up. But, you know. Nah, I get you that. Shit, that's what's up, man. Well, I mean, now, now I know you spend a lot of time engineering and, you know, you got the, you know, you had your heart surgery and all of that and you're dealing with other engineers, you know, with, with your business you have. What do you do on your downtime? Like, how do you like, you know, kind of balance your work-life balance? Like, what do you do? Do interviews like today? <laughs> well, we're talking about work, though. That's why I kind of asked this question to see, you know, what do you do outside of it? Um, for me, I ain't gonna lie, man. It's hard to step away, man. It's hard to step away with the things I do, especially when I have like a million things going on. But then you know you think, got, you got think, your girl there and stuff like me. So yeah, balance is, uh, is key. Yeah, I am married. It's me and my wife. You know, no kids. You know, a couple of cats here and around the house. Um, you know, one thing we love to do is like to go out to eat. You know, we don't spend too much money or do any kind of crazy. You know, because we're all always have to be close to the studio, so. Oh, we'll spend that money on fine dining and stuff. So, you know, we get to try all the different mm. restaurants in the city. That's one of definitely a fun thing we do on our Fridays. Um, and then, you know, I take two days off, but you know, probably one of my biggest mistakes I could have done was buy a home studio because now mm. I'm finding myself working now more on my days off, but 
you know, I just get it done early, sorry about that. early in the day. <laughs> <laughs> I said, sorry about that, because I know I always hit you up on a day off. I guess hey, hey, no, man. I mean, that's why I do it. That's why I do it, because otherwise I don't want you waiting three months. <laughs> nah, I'm not booked that far out, but, mm-hmm. you know, waiting a month or, you know, up to a month to just to fix a song, you know, I, mm. I'd i rather, you know, I have the same setup here that I have pretty much at both my studios. Um, so... I can literally just take the session home, open it up and work right away without having to do too much. Have the same plugins, same, you know, mm. a lot of the same analog stuff. So, yeah, I, I got it, you know, set up where the transition is smooth. Copy, copy. So from the time you started engineering to where Executive Studios was born, you know, what was that time frame in between? What you want to say, like 10, 15 years? Of when... Sorry, when you, you decided to say, yo, I want to be an engineer, engineer? To, where, okay. to where Executive Studios was born, what well, was that time frame in between? There was a, t- don't forget, there was a time frame from after artists to where I was producing. And that, w- that time frame only was probably about two years. And that was from mm-hmm. probably like end of 2007 going into, no, actually I'd say going to like 2010. So I'd say three years just straight. You know, that's when I, you heard all my beats and stuff like that. I wanted mm-hmm. to be a producer. Um, like I said, very tough to make money doing it just because, you know, there's so much free beats out there. Mm-hmm. Artists don't want to pay right on the spot for a beat. They want, they want to make a song to it first and then decide to pay. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, to do that for a living would be very hard. And, and still at that time, I still had a regular job supporting that. Um, and then when I transitioned into the engineering, just because I was just getting a very, just a overwhelming amount of people asking to re- me to record them because I was already talented with Pro Tools. So just mm-hmm. to find anybody that was good at Pro Tools that, you know, it was already kind of like a, a one out of a thousand, you know what I'm saying? And then I was pretty good at it just due to producing. So I knew how to, you know, do some tricky stuff, stutter effects. I was like probably one of the first ones in Tampa doing all the, the crazy stuff you hear on Nicki Minaj's records. I was doing yeah, that in yeah, like 2010, yeah. 2011. And, uh, yeah, man, helped build a name for me. And and then I would say from that time is when I, like I said, I started like actually doing it for a living 2010 and, you know, working out of an actual professional studio that was a jingle studio, but I kind of fitted it for like more hip hop subwoofers, you know, better preamp for, you know, vocals and stuff like that. So right. that was, that was like in the middle of 2010, then I had the, the the phase where I worked for Red Lounge for two years. That was in 2011, I would believe, because it was one year there, one year, 2011, 2013. 2013. End of 2013 is when Executive Studio existed. In fact, November of 2013 is when I decided, in, and I've already met my wife who was, you know, super, like, business-oriented. I mean, she played a major, major role in making this happen because I was just an engineer at the time. I know how to mix records. She knew how to create a business. <laughs> mm. So it, 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 you know, it was it a no was brainer. Missing, it was the missing link. Yeah, it, was a, it was a no brainer. So we decided, Hey, let's, you know, let's try to do this on our own. I have enough clientele. I've built up over years of doing it already. And yeah, man, took off like a rocket ship. That's awesome, man. So, what do you see? What, what's the future hold for uh, Executive Sound Studio? Because I know you got the you, you got the photography through your girl, and then you got the mixing going on. Like, what else do you want to add 
in, in like wow. where do you see this going like in the next five years so to speak like where do you see executives lounge going into uh, i mean there's two different directions we could take it one could be um expanding where we're at because you know we do a lot of business and we only have just two studios right now and mm. we were to add two more studios create a facility where we can teach engineers you know because we have more room you can you could fit more things into those rooms to you know to make sense because there's no point of us trying to run a school right now because we're so busy booked up with mm. artists mm. you know so having something like four studios you know you could have you know hire more engineers i'm you know i'm getting calls nonstop about people wanting to work over here so i can bring in more engineers to generate more money for the studio we can design a studio like i said for teaching on a certain day um and then you know then eventually get into probably more into the publishing and man artist management side because you're dealing with so many artists you can pretty hand pick all the the ones you know that can take off go get signed to a label um and then of course the other direction is to expanding into other cities working with the talent in different cities and and having different locations obviously finding trusted engineers to run the business from mm -hmm. afar mm -hmm. um could be a headache don't know yet but it's just one of those things that has been discussed before about the possibilities of making this thing bigger mm. so Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, shit. Well, I wish you the best of luck on that, man. So talk to me about some of these experiences you have with these artists, man, because I know you deal with a lot of artists and especially in the Tampa world, you know, it's a lot of local artists really trying to get their claim to fame, you know, but a lot of them may not be as polished as the other, you know, uh, multi-platinum Grammy winning artists you work with. So what are some experiences that you dealt with that were I want to talk about the good and the bad, right? So let's talk about some of the bad experiences you had with some artists and where you can kind of shine the light on what, what they can take away from this mistake so they won't do it going forward. So tell me about a bad experience you had with an artist. Artist? You know, in a recording session. Um, you don't got to name uh, names either because I don't want no, you to. No, of course not. <laughs> I definitely will tell you, don't let an artist owe you money. <laughs> mm. Those are always going to be the worst. Is you know, Hey, man, I'll pay you tomorrow in Cash App, and then their number changes. <laughs> oh. uh, so, yeah, you know, that that's one of the things I would always suggest is, you know, try to get your money up front as fast as possible. I mean, definitely get, to, you know, if you are doing stuff on the back end, you know, hold on to the songs until they pay you. And don't send them their songs. Because once you do that, then you just... <laughs> you, you, you gave them, you gave, you gave away your leverage, you gave them all your leverage. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So that's one thing I would say to protect yourself as an engineer, because, you know, we already, it's already hard to get credit the way producers and artists get credit on records. So I would always suggest, you know, man, you got to look out for yourself big time because, you know, they're out to screw us guys all the time. Um, another thing I would, you know, I would say a bad situation. Um, don't let your artists get too drunk. Kind of, you know, you have to kind of play a bartender role and knowing when to say, Hey, look, man, you guys are, you guys are kind of getting past your limit here. Um, because that's when people start acting crazy is when they, you know, you let them get too, too messed up in there. They start breaking stuff and puking everywhere. You know, you got to clean it because you don't expect them to clean their own puke. You know, mm, they're right. paying for studio time. You're 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 there. 
they're made, you know what I'm saying? The custom the senator. <laughs> right. Yeah, you got to, and you have to. I mean, what? You, <laughs> so try to keep an eye on that kind of thing. Um, you know, whatever. I, it, I know it's tough because you can't like just pull and grab their bottle from them, but I would just make it known to say, hey, just let them know that you are aware of where they're at, toxic, <laughs> you know, they're, toxicity i guess yeah, you, know, yeah. you just want to just make sure that you know nothing in your facility is going to get damaged because of their erratic behavior so um mm. you know i've had i've had a couple experiences with that you know even big art and you know, it's crazy the bigger the artist man sometimes the, the crazier it gets and it's not right. the artist it's always it's the homeboys man they're they're wild right now man they're hanging out mm. with superstars so they have to they got to put on that show for them you know what i'm saying yeah. So I hear, you. I hear you, man. What do you think the future holds for the Tampa music scene? Um, I mean, definitely good things are happening. Um, I mean, it's just cool to see, you know, someone like Rob Wave, who you know is one of our artists that worked with us for about a good three years. Um, he definitely, I mean, he he blew up, man. The guy's multi platinum. You know, he's he's hopping on records with all the stars. He's starting to so stuff like that. I would. You know, it gives us hope to say, hey, look, it, it can be done. It's not like, okay, there's like this bubble over Tampa that's preventing us from just being like a, you know, blow up city. I mean, we'd love to be Houston where just one artist after another. But I think also the way the streaming world is and how people look for music, um, you definitely just have to have a presence online and you're just going to have to, you know. But get into whatever it's TikTok or any kind of app. You just have to kind of be a part of that whole phase. You just have to be in it, got to flow with it. And then you just, you know, when your time comes, man, you just take, you capitalize off of it. As soon as you get a song that starts catching wind, man, you got to just, you got to ride it, man, because, you know, it's tough to even get in that pos position. So I just tell all the artists all the time, you know what I'm saying? Um, and it's not really just, like I said, it's only a Tampa thing um, just because the way the world is now, it's more of every individual artist is kind of almost for, you know, on their own. Um, uh, definitely collab with other Tampa artists if you can, you know, especially if someone feels like they're doing good and they can help out someone that has a different sound and different fan base, you track both fan bases together. Um, but for the most part, like I said, it's, it's you, your best shot at being successful in this music industry is to just make sure that you got all your, you know, get your spot, your Spotify has to be booming. You just have to have your IG booming. Everything just has to look like you're that guy, man. And that's what I was going to touch on. Cause like you said, it, it has to look like you're that guy, you know, and that, all that can be manipulated now with the numbers and you can pay for this and pay for that. So it's like, how can you even tell, it's like you can't really tell who's good or not because you, you assume that if they have a certain amount of followers or listeners that somebody thinks they're good, which kind of by default qualifies them as good. You know, I guess depending well, on your your your, uh, your taste in music. What's your takeaway on that? Well, I, I would say also you definitely have to have that song there. that That's always going to be that undeniable. You know, once the people love the song, I mean, you can't manipulate that like labels can easily see through the manipulation. So you can sit here and have like a bunch of fake followers and stuff up to a million followers. And, and you can look like you're doing big things, but 
But at the end of the day, and I've seen it, you've obviously probably seen it a hundred times, thousands mm-hmm. of times where mm-hmm. this artist is like a hundred thousands of you, you know, but their music is just not doing anything on YouTube. It's not really moving. You're just like, okay, you know, what kind of, he's, they're definitely manipulating some. Um, but then you have someone like, I don't know if you heard of that new artist, that Moray guy, mm-hmm. that quicksand song. Like the moment I heard about it where people were just like, yo, what? I love this quick. Like I'm seeing people on my timeline talk about this song. Mm. So when you have something like that happening, it's kind of like you just know that if I'm seeing this on my timeline, imagine how spread out this is right now. So, yeah, especially you start seeing like, you know, 10, 15 people talk about, yo, that new song is jamming. Mm. When you see stuff like that, that's those are hints to say. This is gonna pop, this is gonna be the next thing, and hey, I just heard it on the radio not too long ago. Mm. <laughs> One second. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, I heard wife yelling at the cats. Nah, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, man. Nah, that's, that's what's up, man. I, and I like how you and you and uh, your wife got the, the 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 family business going together. You know what I'm saying? One hand washes the other, and you guys have been successful at it ever since, man. So that's 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 definitely what's up, man. How'd you two meet? Um, <laughs> you'd be surprised, but we actually t- threw a dating website. <laughs> right, same here, man. Same here. Hey, you know, you never know, man. Especially being stuck in the studio all day. I mean, what am I going to do? Try to steal the rappers, girls? I mean, that's right. what they rap about. Exactly, right? <laughs> <laughs> they they stole them from someone else. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I'm stuck in the studio all day. So, you know, when I do go out to clubs and stuff and go to music showcases, you know, you try to meet some people there, but a lot of times they're all drunk and, you know, those are not the type of right women that you're going to want to be associated with anyways, especially right. in the long terms. Um, right. Uh, so, you know, you just, it kind of had that going on. I was going out when I could and, and then, Hey, I got the dating app. So, Hey, it's connected to my phone. I could just be like, it was up. And Hey, that's yeah, what's man. Up, ChristianMingles.com. <laughs> we did. We did. We did. I took her out for hibachi for our first date. There you go. It's all good. I, I, you better than me. I took her to Golden Corral. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, now nah, that's what's up, man. So, tell me, um, is there anybody you in, like dream of, of working with or like you know engineering a session? Like, who is this one artist that you just hope to work with one day? Oh man, I know there's so many, but it, it was a oh top five or oh, top five, if any. I know there's many. I ain't gonna lie, I got to work with both of my favorite childhood rappers. I got to work with Jada Kiss and Styles P, and nice. those were like, I mean, those were like one of my favorite rappers, you know, back in like oh four oh five, man. Same here. Um, man. Shout out to Heavy Lyrics and Chris Streets. Those are my boys right there. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to them, man. They were the ones that brought them through. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course. Um, one I would say the the first person who like really influenced me getting into the music game was probably Method Man, mm. you know, because even before I was listening to a lot of hip hop, I would listen to like a mixture of like just rock music or whatever was just on the radio. And we're talking about me being like in sixth grade, I didn't really have it in like a, a certain genre. I, I just kind of liked whatever was on the radio. And then right. that's when uh, Fred Durst came out with the uh, you know Nookie and In Together Now, yeah. And, just the vibes of that, like hearing that on the radio when you're hearing, you know, you're an all-star, go play hey now, you're an all-star, and then you hear all in together now, eh, eh. you're just yeah, like, yeah. I like this stuff. 
hey, I'm going to go buy this album. You know what I'm saying? And that's how I just kind of got into it. And I listened to, you know, a mixture of Limp Biscuit on the rock side and then Method Man. And then I found out about Wu-Tang and then started listening to all the Wu-Tang. And, oh, look, you know, Busta Rhymes messes with Method Man and the Wu-Tang. Who's this, this Busta Rhymes guy just got on here and I he was the, the best verse. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> go follow this Buster Rhymes guy, you know, bought all his stuff, you know, and then next thing you know, it's like, damn, I'm, I'm, I'm catching all the great parts of hip hop and, and becoming part of that history and learning about that. And it just spread, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't really have like an early influence. Like most people did, you know, people were like, Oh, I grew up three years old singing this, or, you know, my parents took me to this concert. Like, you know, my, my parents weren't really like musically inclined like that. You know, mm-hmm. my dad had his own business, uh, you know, working with Dennis. And then my mom just had like a, a government job that she had to, you know, work up to get to where she's at now. You right. know, she got to retire beautifully. Love nice. my mama. Hey, hey yeah. four, four master's Mom degrees. Ooh. I know. I, ha- I don't even have set a- the bar high for you. <laughs> yeah. I don't even have a, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't have a bachelor's or nothing. <laughs> yeah, you say you yeah, know what? I'm gonna go was, the music was, route. <laughs> yeah, I was I was the black sheep of the family for sure. You know, my other brothers they both went to college, USF, and and I was just like, I don't need school, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be a rapper, man. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I said the same thing, you know. And next thing you know, I, st- I got into sales. <laughs> I still do it too. You already know, man. Sales is the bread and butter for me. That I ain't going nowhere without that. Yeah, I love my parents to death, but it was a very satisfying. I told you so that I would do this music stuff. <laughs> it was satisfying. They know. They yeah. know. Now, that's what's up, man. Yeah, it definitely feels satisfying, man. It's scary. It's a scary road, though, man, because you never really are. Uh, it's not really secure until you actually get those opportunities and get those yeah. accolades. And it takes so long to get there, man. So it's Absolutely. Like you have a certain amount of patience, certain amount of faith and just certain amount of grind and belief that you can do this you know what i'm saying and apply everything you learn along the way man so i commend you for that because you know i see you from the ground up my brother and now you got executive stands you know what I'm saying we're working on getting you a building and funding and all type of stuff so you know it's, it's it's been a long road man i'm definitely proud of you for that man that's 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 amazing man for real appreciate it man well how'd you uh how'd you link up with plaz because i know was plaz one of like the first biggest yeah. artists you ever worked with was that like the first uh, major? kind of? I mean, we've had like artists and stuff come through, you know, this during the Red Lounge phase. Um, we did have a lot of artists and stuff that would come to the studio and get to work with them. I got to work with like Gucci Man and stuff, but he was like the first, like, you know, a client, like, client, almost like a yeah, almost like a normal client that would just come to you know work with me. I mean, obviously being in Tampa, it's not like this is not where they live, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, so just to have like the one probably probably the only artist that you know that's on that level that had radio hits you know pick you out of all the other engineers and all the studios that he was and even the ones he was currently working with and a lot of that had to play you know just kind of timing to be honest um just mm-hmm. happened to work with one of the artists that he signed and the studio that um it was the second studio he started working out of, you know, I guess. It was that young boy from Tampa. Right? What was his name? Or the, the, it started, had an X in it, I think. Yeah, Extra. Yeah, Extra, Extra. Yeah, shout out to Extra. He was cool. Shout man. out to Extra. Yeah, he's yeah, he's a dope artist, man. Super mm-hmm. dope. I love working with him. Um, And 
and I, at the time I believe Plies was going to a studio that did primarily like rock music. And mm. I think when extra got signed, he was telling them, Hey, look, I'd rather record with, you know, my guy. He just know he got my sound better. He just, he understands hip hop better. And, you know, it's one of those things where the, you know, the labels kind of just called me up and thinking it was another session for extra. And yeah, you, here comes flies, man. Come What's fly. up, my Ooh. girl? What's up, man? <laughs> That's Big awesome, fan man. of your work, sir. Yeah, that's so. awesome. Yeah, now you guys been working together yeah. for a minute, and all the stuff like, what's that one song? Uh, ran off on the plug twice. That was you, right? You mixed that. Yeah, record, right? Um, I didn't. I don't think I did the final mix on it. I definitely I recorded it, did a lot of the arranging and stuff like that. Um, and I want to say might have been Leslie. Shout out to Leslie who mixed it because Leslie is a obviously a huge legend and someone I definitely look up to, you know, he's mm-hmm. doing all Cardi B stuff right now. So Uzi Vert, nice. you name it. I mean, and he goes back to TLC days and the original outcast, <laughs> mm. you know what I'm saying? All the cash money stuff. Yeah. yeah. So what do you, what, what do you see yourself like retiring at? Cause I remember when you and I spoke the other day and you was like, you know, you don't want to be old 85 or 75 still mixing records. So like, I mean, but will you ever stop though? Like, cause you love it so much. And this is like you said, you're in front of the computer, just kind of, you know, doing your one, two thing. Like, will you ever stop? What does the future hold for James Woods? I don't know, man. Um, I mean, right now I'm kind of just living for the moment day to day. Um, yeah, I don't know if I will stop. I mean, as long as someone's willing to pay me for it, I can, <laughs> I'm not going to stop. I, I don't really know what else to do. I mean, I'm definitely trying. I'm looking at other avenues. You know, my my wife is is opening up other businesses. She got, you know, Sagewood Stone, which is online now. And shout out to her. Her designs mm-hmm. and stuff are awesome. Got her a laser machine so she can engrave and, you know, make furniture and, you know, really cool stuff that she's getting into. She's still helping me run the business side of the studio. But, you know, I'm I'm in there, man, you know. Day to day, this is what I do. This is stuff people's like dreams and and everything. And this is just to me, this is just like my normal nine to five, you know. So it's like, I I don't know what else I would want to do that would bring me the same kind of joy that I'm doing right now. I don't know. Basically, doing what you love, man. Hey, you love what you do. It never feels like work, right? The only thing that would take me away from it is winning the lottery, I guess. I mean, that's probably (laughs) and it'd have to be a lot, a lot of money for me just to completely walk away. But even if I got that kind of money i would just still have the studio there let my guys work out of it and i would probably invest in a label man (laughs) so i would Mm. still be around it in a way i would probably just play a different Mm. position and you know and and if it's my artist and i'm signing them and somebody messes up the mix guess what i'm I'm putting my mixing hat back on you know what i'm saying right right (laughs) i'm going back in we're going to get this right because i'm not going to put this on my name i know what a good sounds like i can I can definitely, that's another thing is be able to have that ear to worry. I'm like, okay, you're a good engineer. Like, you know, your stuff. So, you know, if there's any of those out there that really know their stuff, you know, Hey man, we can yeah, find I a spot on the <laughs> <laughs> I go say, I'm just hiring. I don't want to put it out like that, but I am looking for someone that's very unique and special that can find their clients and, and run their own business. Right. And, you know, it, it, it's tough because, you know, to have all those features is, not not too many people like that, man. I hear you, brother. Well, I mean, you know, if you can share any last piece of advice to any like up and coming artist, musician, you know, producer, engineer, you know, what words of encouragement or 
keys can you give them to really steer the course? Because like you said, man, it's, 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 it's a marathon. You know what I'm saying? We go through a lot of up and downs. You got to have a lot of patience, a lot of faith and just belief. You know, even like you said, your mom's got like four master's degrees and all of that. She set the bar high, but you still went another route and, you know, bet on yourself and you win. And so, you know, give share some jewels with, with, with the up and comers, man. Man, I, I tell this to my guys all the time. You really, and, and, and this is, it's crazy to think this way, but if you do, you'll understand it. And, and when you apply it, you will definitely see the success right away is you would need to treat this as much as you love it. You have to treat it like a sales job. You just have to think of it this way though. You're selling something that people dream about. Hmm. It's not before, before what be the, the, Last job I had before I became successful at what I was doing as an engineer, studio owner, really, I have to bring it back and show my gratitude to my life insurance job that I worked mm-hmm. while I was in my producer phase and, and, and getting into my engineering phase. Once I learned that, the, the sales pitches and learning how to start conversations, how to close on stuff. Um, you know, somebody was trying to get out of a meeting, how to reschedule the meeting without letting them go away, um, how to market yourself. You know, we used to go by the, the five ways of marketing. You have two passive and three, um, active passive, meaning it's just out there and you're waiting on someone to call you. The active one means I'm going to get in your face and talk to you about this or call you about this. Like I'm having interaction. I really just applied what I learned from that sales position, mm-hmm. put it into the music and it worked like this mm. referral. I, you know, came up with a referral system. Did, I mean, I did it by the books. So I would say anybody that's trying to get into music and trying to be successful at it, you have to understand at the end of the day, you have to sell what you want to do to somebody else to make money, to do this for a living at the end of the day, obviously, once you're good and your name's out there, then it's just, we call it the word of mouth phase where, mm. you know, I'm, I'm kind of currently at that right now. And it's such a blissful, I'd love it. I don't have to go out there and, and bust my ass to get in front of people and, and, and have to sit there and market and market. I just pretty much kind of do that just for my studio now to help my staff get um, bookings. But me, when I first started, like I said, I was, I was out at every, you know, any, I would just constantly go online, find all the promoters or any kind of events going on, any open mics. Um, if there was a guitar, you know, a band playing at this restaurant, I would go over there and I would talk literally to every single person that got off that stage. Every single one. I would not let one person out that room. Everybody had my card. Everybody heard my spiel about what I do. You know, I got this awesome studio. You get the cool pictures. You put it on the business card. You show them the, the website. You know, they, this was mm. stuff that I learned as a life insurance agent. And I just literally applied it to what I was trying to sell as a music engineer to the artist. But mm. I got so many more yeses than the life insurance. Because, I mean, who wants to buy life mm. insurance from a 25-year-old? I mean. <laughs> yeah, like, what do you know about life? <laughs> yeah, you ain't been through life. <laughs> so. So, yeah, but when you turn around, you say, hey, I got the studio that's going to turn you into a platinum artist. <laughs> right. I mean, you got you to gotta sell them a little bit, but hey, you know, 
that's what they want to hear, man. You, 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 guess what? We, we call it, we, uh, we hit your, uh, oh man, I can't remember it now, but we hit the, they, they had a word to describe it where you hit that, that, that like heartfelt moment where they're just like, yes. And, and it's easy to capture that man when you're dealing with music. Cause there's so many people that love this. There's so many people have a passion for it. It's just a very, it's just such, you know, it's like such a cool club to be in. Right. A lot of people, I mean, you got to think there's some artists and I've talked to them, man. They, they said they're only artists because they can get girls. <laughs> mm, <laughs> right. Before I became an artist, I couldn't get any girls. I became a rapper and I, and I get, I'd be getting all kind of girls. I'm just like, is that your only reason? Like you're not trying to be successful at it. You're not trying to win a Grammy. You're not trying to be rich, something, you know, any other thing. You're nah, not trying man. to be rich, maybe. <laughs> like, nah, nah, man. I just, I just love the girls, man. I'm just like, oh. Well, you're gonna right. you're gonna need to get better at it because you're gonna need to get rich because you gotta take care of these girls and, their, their babies <laughs> and all your baby he said, mamas. <laughs> he said you're gonna need to get better at it. Now that's what it sounds like. That's what's up, my brother. Well, let people know where they can follow you, where they can acquire your services. Oh, last wait before we do that, are you, do you plan on getting back into producing at all? Uh, I've talked about it. I'm I'm. I like to work with the producers that are, you know, shout out to, you know, man, uh, Jay Swift. He's killing it. Um, and then my boy Trey made the beat. He's killing it. Uh, shout out my boy Javon, Joe Blow. His beats are hard as hell. So mm. these guys are getting their Joe stuff out Blow, there. Yeah, Titus. And that's my, that's my people's right there. Yeah. That's who I'm actually meeting up at the studio right now as soon as we get off this call, man. Um, oh, yeah. Tell them so, what's up, man. Yes, you already know. They know me um, as clubs. <laughs> clubs. I remember that rap name. That, that's, yeah, you, you changed your rap name, what, once on me, huh? Yeah, yeah. You know, people yeah. still call me. As soon as I go to Tampa, what up, clubber, clubber, the youngster, and all that, you know. You know. Yeah. It is what it is, though. But yeah, go ahead, though. We got we to gotta do a, sal a Saltine and Clubs album. Right. <laughs> a little James or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's funny as hell, man. So, what can the people following you, man? That I do sound like a sick car. That's crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, definitely just follow. Um, you know, we got the Instagram is probably the biggest one. Executive Studios official. Mm. Um, and then I got my own personal one, which is James McSurgeon on IG as well. Um, our website www.executive-studios because you know. The guy who owns that name right now wants a lot of money for it, but mm -hmm. it's cool. We'll, we'll get it one day. Um, executive, but yeah, www.executive-studios. And then, like I said, Executive Studios official IG. Uh, I'm trying to think if we're on any other platform other than that. I mean, yeah, I'm on Clubhouse. <laughs> uh, how you like that? How you like Clubhouse? It's cool, man. Um, I, you know, there's some rooms that are really dope, you know, Shout out to Big Lou. He got a really cool room in there that he co-hosts with Nico, the mm -hmm. uh, assistant for Dave Pensado called Industry Swap Meet. And mm -hmm. yeah, man, we get on at 1030 and, you know, Monday through Friday, man. Get in there, man. It's, it's a really cool. You, you'll, you'll meet some of the biggest engineers in there, biggest producers, guys that have multiple Grammys. And it's just cool to like really like you sitting there and just talking to them, man. Like like you just met him at the bar, like, you know as equals it's really cool and and these are like guys you would look up to and you're just like hey, hey man they're they're on here spitting game you know what i'm saying you get to learn from the best of the best so yeah now i'll be on that clubhouse i'm usually in the entrepreneur rooms and the domain yeah, flipping rooms 
you know, just kind of <laughs> trying to get all that information, you know, and apply it as much as I can. But I need, yeah, I, I need to get in the damn. I need to get what? in the stock one, man. I need to get in the, I'm always, I'm always like one day behind those things, man. I'm like, oh, let me get in this and then it starts going down. You got to jump on Reddit, man. Follow Wall Street Bets, man. That's who's giving I just did info. that this morning. I just did that this morning. Me and Brandy just started following that. We are, we're, we're tired of being one step behind, man. Cause that one step behind you trip. <laughs> it's a big fall. It's a long fall. Yeah, man. I actually, uh, I made a little, I made a couple of dollars on the GameStop surge that that happened just now. You know, following that Wall Street bet. Yeah. So just stay on top of it, man. Stay on top of it. That's what it's at, man. But uh, but we'll talk about more more about that offline, man. But I want to thank you for being on the show, man. For gracing me with your presence, man. You know, what I'm saying you you one of my guys, man. I got mad love for you forever. You already know you do a lot for me, man. So thank you for you know for believing in me and helping me out with the endeavors that I'm choosing to take on my life so you know again thank you for coming on the show today i appreciate your presence man it's been another episode of sleepers for billionaires the podcast my man james woods johnny vegas make sure you like and subscribe to your channel make sure you go ahead and get you some of this good old merch get some executive sound hoodies as well you know you see him rocking it over there stay tuned for more episodes to come thank you for watching yeah double salute you already know my brother hold on bam I wanna be a billionaire. I ain't getting no sleep till I see a million every week. I wanna be a billionaire. I ain't getting no sleep till I see a billy every week. I wanna be a billionaire. Billionaire, I wanna be a billionaire. Billionaire, I wanna be a billionaire. I ain't getting no sleep till I see a billy every week. I ain't gonna be a friend, I just can't handle business. 